Junior Church. What a wonderful presence of the Lord is in this place tonight. Church, I'm telling you, there's nothing like gathering together. Yes. Yes, ma'am. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Man, if you believe that tonight, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Yeah. We're not going to surrender our faith. Huh? Come on. We ain't going to give up. Until the fat lady sings and the fat lady happens to be the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're not going to give up our faith. We're going to believe until, amen, God leads us in a different direction. We'll certainly continue to pray for Sister Jamie, amen, and all of her family. Amen. Let's continue to do that. Amen. If you got your Bibles, stand with me tonight as we get ready to turn to the Word of the Lord. Uh, I want to speak on something that I try to speak on annually in this church tonight. Over the last two to three weeks, I have had several people approach me about this topic and ask me questions. Amen. And I believe it was a sign from the Lord. Amen. That uh, now was a a good time to discuss this topic. I want to speak a little bit about the rapture tonight. Amen. And um, it's not a generally a shouting topic, but it's something that every child of God needs to have deep down in their soul. If you're a child of God contending for this precious faith, you believe the Lord's coming back for a bride. Come on, I know that there's some folks that have strayed from this precious truth. And there's some people that don't believe he's coming back. But can I tell you, breaking bread does. Breaking bread does. The true church does. Amen. And I, I'm thankful tonight to be in the house of the Lord. I'm thankful for his presence, for what I feel in this place, for the unction of the Holy Ghost that I feel right now. I believe the Lord is going to speak to us tonight. Amen. Concerning this topic, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. Amen. To the book of 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. If you do not have your Bible, uh, the words are provided for you upon the screen tonight. Amen. We'll be reading two passages of Scripture. Um, If you need a Bible, please see us. We want to make sure that every home in this church has a Bible. 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. Um, And we're going to begin reading verse 13. We're going to read through verse 18. If you're at 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, shout out yes. Amen. 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter and the 13th verse. We're going to talk tonight about our blessed hope. For those that are not 
don't have a good conscience towards God. The rapture is not a good topic. For those that are holding on to things in their past, holding on to the things that God has told them to let go of, they don't see the catching away as a blessed hope, but for us who are doing our best to live for God, let me tell you something, the great catching away is a blessed hope that we need to hold on to today. It's a blessed hope that we need to hold on to today that the Lord is going to catch his bride away. Amen. And it's this precious hope that causes us to live as if today would be the day that the Lord's going to come and catch the church away. I mean, know that the Bible says some will be saved by fear. Let me tell you something. Uh, Thinking about the return of the Lord should be enough to scare you straight today. (laughs) I don't want to be like the one that was sleeping in the bed and was left behind. I don't want to be like the one who was out in the field and left behind. But I want to be one who's caught up to meet him in the air. Glory to God. Amen. And escape this great tribulation that's going to come upon this earth for all of its disobedience. First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter and the 13th verse. The Apostle Paul gives us much insight concerning this topic. Verse 13 says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Turn to your neighbor and say, we have hope. Uh, Sorrow not because the church has hope today. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, That we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Glory. And then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Glory to God. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort ye one another with these words. Let me tell you something. To those that are in Christ Jesus, this is a blessed hope today. This is a blessed hope today. The book of Titus, the second chapter. The book of Titus, you don't have to turn there, but if you can, turn quickly. Titus, the second chapter, we'll be reading verse 11 through 15. Amen. 11 through 15. Again, the man of God says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly 
in this present world. My Lord, I'm going to read that one more time for all those folks who don't believe the church should teach standards. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope. Hallelujah. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no man despise thee. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise before you're seated today? If you're thankful for this blessed hope, if you're thankful for this promise that the Lord's going to come back just in the nick of time and reach down and catch away his people and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is going to raise the church up out of this place. Oh, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Today I'm thankful for a God who's coming back for his bride today. Praise the Lord. Lord bless you. You may be seated tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, the rapture is coming. The catching away for all of those critics who say the word rapture is not in the Bible. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. You're correct. The word rapture is a Latin word that means catching away. It's shorthand for the catching away. So if it tickles your fancy, you're free to say that there's going to be a great catching away. But many people use the term rapture as shorthand, amen, uh, for the description that the Lord is returning for his bride. Amen. There was a, a prominent uh, prophecy teacher by the name of uh, Irvin Baxter um, from the Richmond area. Uh, many of you have listened to Irvin Baxter. I've listened to Irvin Baxter. Sometimes I still like to listen to the teaching, the prophecy teaching of Irvin Baxter. Uh, Brother Irvin Baxter. Uh, passed away during the pandemic, it was either last year or the year before, um, due to complications from the coronavirus. And uh, but he is a wonderful teacher of prophecy, and I still have CDs that sometimes I get out and just listen to his teaching on Bible prophecy. Um, and Brother Baxter taught one time. I was sitting in a service, was listening to him teach, and. He taught one time about uh, the, the peace talks between the Israelis and the Palestinians. How many know over, um, over in the Middle East there is a lot of strife between the Palestinians and the Israelis? And right now on a daily basis they are working trying to achieve peace in the Middle East. Um, and Brother Baxter taught 
many times that these ongoing efforts between the Palestinians and the Israelis to reach a uh, peace agreement, uh, that once that peace agreement is reached, we will begin the seven years of tribulation. And um, the, the last seven years will begin. And uh, whether you're pre-trib, post-trib, or mid-trib, uh, we still love you. Um, but uh, I do believe that this will begin, the great catching away. And I do believe that uh, even though we may never all of us come to the same uh, conclusions regarding the timing of uh, Bible prophecy, uh, we should all be watching and praying for the coming of the Lord. I'm a firm believer tonight. Somebody says, well, you know, it's been 2,000 years, and since the birth of the church, they've been saying the Lord was coming back. But can I tell you, I believe God wants all ages to anticipate his return. It don't matter if it was a 1,000 years ago. It don't matter if it was 500 years ago. It don't matter if it was yesterday. I believe God wants the church to anticipate his return. Amen. And, and I believe we need to be watching and we need to be praying. And we need to understand today, uh, I, I, was, I was thinking on the way home yesterday about our Mother's Day service and uh, Sister Lexi's title, Unless She Hurry. And I was thinking about these end times that we're living in. And I was thinking about the lack of urgency. And I, I remember a time when I was a boy and my grandfather preaching that the Lord was coming back. You don't hardly hear people talking about the Lord coming back anymore. In fact, I believe that that spirit has somewhat infiltrated the church. But let me tell you something, the church that's contending for the faith which was once delivered to the saints of God understand that the Lord's coming back for a bride that's without spot and without blemish and one that has made herself ready for the coming of the king today. Hallelujah. Amen. This is an urgent hour today. This is an urgent hour today. The world has lost it. They don't, even, they don't even believe, they don't even want to talk about the coming of the Lord no more. But the signs of the times are upon us. This is an urgent hour for the church today to declare that we got to be ready for the coming of the Lord. The darkness of sin is deepening on a daily basis. Come on, it's deepening on a daily basis, just just watch your news channel. Just listen to your radio. Come on, I'm not trying to be a doomsdayer today. I'm trying to let you know the signs of the times are upon us, and the Lord is coming back for his church. And it's a time that we develop an urgency today. Amen. And the night is upon us, and the signs of the Lord's return are everywhere. Amen. And we're living in the age of apostasy. Come on, people have totally abandoned religion. The church attendance, come on, other than, look, denominal churches are closing their doors every single day. Come on, the apostolic church, I, I forget how many, I was reading the other day, how many denominal beliefs they are. And almost all of them, I think it was 25, and 20 out of the 25 are in decline today. I'm telling you, people are living, we are living in the age of apostasy. 
people, this country has abandoned their religion. Come on, we, we look, more and more, read the statistics, more and more young people will tell you, I don't believe in any kind of higher power. Because, because we have entered an age of abandonment. There is apostasy in the land. There is immorality in the land. Listen, people are living their lives today without any kind of moral compass. Come on, if you don't believe that, just turn on the news and watch the school shootings. Watch the people pushed in front of the subway in New York. I was watching today, a man just walked up and just started stabbing a man out of nowhere for no reason. Never met the man in his life. You know why? Because people don't have any kind of moral compass. People don't have any kind of fear of displeasing God. Let me tell you something. One of your greatest fears you better have in your life is you don't want to displease God. Come on, but people have abandoned their religion today. Amen. There's escalation in things that should not be. We watch abortion is on the rise. I was reading the other day, 63 million children have been aborted in this country since the, since the, the rulings of Roe versus Wade. 63, 63 million. Let me tell you something today, church. The Holocaust doesn't even come close to what has happened in our abortion clinics. But yet we're living in this escalating time. Sin is rampant. People don't want to be told they're sinning. Let me tell you something. You better want to be told you're sinning. You better hope you got a man of God in your life that'll say, you better knock that off because hell is hot. Come on, there's a fire that'll never be quenched. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's eternal falling and damnation for those that don't love God and give themselves wholly and completely to him. There's an escalation of immorality. Amen. There's disregard for human life and young children. Their parents are not even watching them as video games desynthesize them. Amen. And it takes away their regard for human life. People are growing up in this country without a moral compass. The world has broken all the laws of God. And they don't even care that they're doing it. The world scoffs at the idea of the sanctity of marriage. Homosexuality is praised. It's rampant in this country. Let me tell you something. It's still an abomination in the church. It's still an abomination to God today. The world may scoff at the sanctity of marriage between one woman and one man, but in the eyes of God, it's still the right thing to do today. Hallelujah. And the world celebrates these things. Same-sex marriages, homosexuality. People are wildly pursuing every fleshly pleasure they can get their hands on. Every fleshly pleasure they can get their hands on. But church, in the midst of all of this, come on, I'm not a doomsdayer today. I'm a, I, listen, I come to tell you today, even in the midst of all of this mess, God's still getting ready of people. I come to tell you, even in the midst of all of this immorality, among all of this abandonment, there's a mighty revival that's taking place in the church of the living God. That's why we're moving down the street. That's why we're seeing the sick heal. That's why we're seeing, the, come on, that's why we're seeing people come out of sin because we're in the midst of our last day revival today. But there's people that will teach you otherwise. 
There's people that will teach you the Lord ain't returning. I'm going to tell you, you better be careful because the blind will lead the blind and they're both going to fall in the ditch. My Bible tells me there's going to be a great catching away. And for those who have made themselves ready, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is going to rise us up out of this place. But those who have been disobedient to God, those who willingly resist him, those who refuse to obey him are going to remain in this place for the great tribulation. Praise God. I'm talking about the great catching away. I'm talking about the rapture of the church today and in the midst of all of this ungodliness man I'm telling you this defund the police movement has wreaked havoc upon this country and the likes that we have never seen I watch on a daily basis the things that are going on in this country in broad daylight people are no longer afraid of authority and let me tell you something I told my wife the other day, I said, one thing I don't want this church to become, I don't want this church to become a social club. I don't want this church to become a place where people can bring sin in the door with them and sit down next to it in their seat and say, I'm not ashamed of what I'm doing. You better be ashamed of what you're doing. There's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. There's a God to please. And you better offer yourself completely and wholly unto him tonight. Hallelujah. Let's clap our heads and give the Lord some praise in this place tonight. Hallelujah. You better be afraid of him. You better have a reverent fear of him. You better know he's coming back for a church that's made herself ready. Come on. You better know he's coming back for a church that's made herself ready. Whether you believe you're going to have to endure the great tribulation or whether you believe that the Lord is going to catch us out of this place, you better be ready for the coming of the Lord. You better be ready for the coming of the Lord. And in the midst of all of this immorality, there is a hope for the church. There is a blessed hope for the people of God. My Lord, that, let me tell you something. That's why in the midst of famines, you read of God's people still being blessed. Come on. That's why you look at the Jewish people, no matter where they move in the world, they can move in the worst of economies. They're going to be some of the most blessed people in that whole area. You know why? Because God blesses his people. And our economy is not God's economy. Amen. Listen. God knows exactly what he's doing. And in the midst of all of this mess, in the midst of all of this immorality, in the midst of all of this abandonment, the Lord is getting ready at church. And the Lord is speaking to the hearts of people and saying, make yourself ready because I'm coming soon. My Lord, the Lord is coming soon. And let me tell you something, this blessed hope, it doesn't dim with time. In fact, the more time goes by, the brighter it gets. The coming of the Lord, the great catching away, the rapture of the church. Praise God. I want to be ready when the Lord returns for his bride. The Greek word harpazo used in this text that we're reading tonight speaks of a sudden snatching or catching away. The Lord is going to come and snatch his bride out of this place. 
He's going to snatch his bride out of the. But let me tell you something. You're going to have to be a part of the body of Christ. And I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm talking about faithfulness. I'm talking about godliness. I'm talking about consecration. I'm talking about having a prayer life. I'm talking about being faithful to God's house and God's people and God's kingdom. I'm talking about being ready to meet the Lord tonight. We got to be ready to meet the Lord tonight. Hell's going to be full of people that attended church on a regular basis. Come on. Hell's going to be full of people that attended church on a regular basis. You better make sure your life has been accepted by the maker. You better make sure your offering that you offer up to him, you better hope he accepts your offering. Because that's the only way you're going to be ushered up out of this place. Soon the Lord's going to come and he's going to take his people home. And if we are to have a part in that glorious day, come on, we must be his people. We must have repented of our sins. We must have been buried with him in weakness and risen in power. We must have been filled with the spirit of the living God, which gives you the empowerment to live above your sin. Come on. We must have the plan of salvation in our life. And we're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost bearing his wonderful name that we sang about just a few moments ago. The name of Jesus Christ. There is no other baptismal formula that's going to get you to heaven. Come on. You can be sprinkled. You can be buried in titles, but it ain't going to get you there. It ain't going to get you there. There's only one way. Come on, you're going to see the kingdom of God. you got to be born again of the water and of the spirit, and the name of Jesus Christ must be invoked into your life. Hallelujah. Through water baptism in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's talk about the hope of the church for a moment. The hope of the church. Right now, the stage is being set. Right now, Leaders, world leaders, players in this one world economy are on a daily basis trying to figure out ways to bring a one world economy into this world. Last year, the Chinese introduced the first global currency. Come on, for those of you who thought that day would never come, guess what? It's already here. Come on, they, they already are introducing a global currency. The stage is being set for some of the greatest events that you're ever going to witness in your lifetime. Come on, God has already written the script. It's already unfolding. Come on, his coming is soon, and he's already setting the stage for his soon return. Let me tell you something. Some of the world's leaders... Though they boast of all of their accomplishments, some of these politicians who think they're above the law and above all of these things, they're just stagehands. Come on, they're just, they're just chess, uh, they're just chess pieces in what God is bringing to pass in these last days. Come on, the Lord is setting the stage for his soon return. Jesus is coming back, church. Don't listen to the lies that people are telling you. The Lord is coming back for a church who has made herself ready. And as believers need to be waiting and watching, come on, as believers, we need to be waiting and watching for the soon coming of our King. 
Come on, 2,000 years have gone by. People have said time and time again, well, they've been saying that forever, but somehow, some way, it still remains in the heart of every born-again child of God that's been filled with the Holy Ghost. There's still anticipation for the coming of the King. Let me tell you something. If If you've been filled with the Spirit of God, you're waiting to be ushered out of this place. You're waiting to be ushered out of this place. And as the believers... As the church, we must be waiting and watching for the coming of the king. Centuries have passed. Come on, since these these, uh, uh, writers penned uh, these scriptures to, to paper, centuries after century after century has passed. Amen. And all these things have, have come before us. As they wrote all of these scriptures, and nations have risen to power, and kingdoms have fallen. But still, the church has in its heart, the king is coming. The king is coming. i got to be ready. The king is coming. I don't want to miss heaven. The king is coming. It's only those who have drunk drunken the Kool-Aid, whatever you want to say, huh? Who who ain't awaiting the coming of the king. We are awaiting the coming of the king. Empires have come and gone. Nations have risen and fallen. Yet in the heart of every child of God, the return of Jesus Christ lives on. I believe he's coming back for a church. I want to be a part of that church. I want to be a part of that church. Come on. I want to be a part of that church today. Amen. Romans 8 and 23 tells us that in the heart of every believer, come on, Christ's return lives on and all creation anxiously awaits the return of the king. We used to sing that song when I was a boy, the king is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding and now his face I see. The marketplace is empty. Come on, does that sound familiar today? The marketplace is empty. Come on, no more traffic in the streets. The builder's tools are silent. Come on, there's no more time to harvest wheat. They're talking right now about a food shortage that's going to hit not just this country, but the world by the end of this summer. The signs of the times are upon us, and we need to be ready for the coming of the king. Church, We may be suffering right now. We may be going through some stuff right now. We may be misunderstood right now. We might even be ridiculed and scoffed at and laughed at right now. But there's coming a time real soon that those people are going to be like those that were beating up on the ark that day when Noah pulled the door shut and the waters began to rise. And they said, let us in that boat. Let us in that boat. But he said, it's too late. The door is shut. We might be laughed to scorn right now, but the day is coming. The day is coming. They're going to see that all the suffering, all the living godly, all the sacrifices was worth it all. 
Listen to me, child of God. Listen to me, young person. Listen to me, elder. Listen to me, child of God. You might be making some sacrifices right now. You might be making some changes right now that people laugh at you about. They give you a hard time about, but there's coming a time real soon. It's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all when the Lord puts one foot on land and one foot on sea, and he declares time to be no more. Hallelujah. Come on, we got to get ourselves ready for the coming of the king today. You know, one day there's going to be a revealing. We, we, we see these reveal, gender reveal parties. I'm just going to tell you, those things get on my nerves so bad. I got to pray every time I see one. Lord, forgive me what I just thought about those folks. We see all these gender reveal parties. Let me tell you something, there's going to be a revealing real soon. There's going to be a revealing real soon. And what's in your heart, it's going to be made known. What's done in the dark, it's going to come out in the light. Come on, where's coming a time? You ain't going to hide what you're hiding right now. The Lord's going to bring what's in there. He's going to bring it to light. There's coming a time. There's going to be a true revealing. There's going to be a true revealing. A grand disclosure. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you something. Believers then are going to be recognized as the people of God. Let me tell you something. When the Lord catches you up out of this place and your friends left behind, they won't be laughing you to scorn in. Come on, when you're out in the field and you're taken up to meet the Lord and they're left behind to deal with the great tribulation, they won't be laughing you to scorn in. They won't be making fun of the way you live then. No, sir, no, ma'am. They're going to be saying, my God, I wish I would have lived like they did. My God, I wish I would have consecrated myself like they did. My God, I wish I would have made the sacrifices that they did. My God, I wish I would have gave myself to him fully like they did. Come on. There's coming a grand revealing. Uh, Let me tell you something. The Lord's going to reveal himself, and he's going to make known who the true church is. There's a grand revealing coming. Orthodox Jewish brides go through what is called a purifying ceremony. And we can learn a lot by if we look at the lives of the Jewish people. And Orthodox Jewish brides go through a a ceremony that's called a purifying ceremony where they are completely immersed in water before their actual marriage. I want you to think about that for a second. They go through a time where they soak in water as a purifying process to make themselves ready for their bridegroom. And this this cleansing, this process occurs before they meet their bridegrooms at, at the marriage feast. And legally, according to their customs, legally, the Orthodox brides to be take on the name of their bridegrooms before their ceremony even takes place. (laughs) Just like we do. When we get up on that step and we get down in that water, we get down in that purification process and we're buried with him in weakness and his name is invoked into our lives and legally we are bound to the King of kings and the Lord of lords when we take on his name. Through water baptism, these brides are legally, legally bound to their bridegrooms 
at the cleansing ceremony. Church, we're preparing to meet our bridegroom, Jesus Christ. We're preparing ourselves. Come on, as a bride adorned for her groom. Let me tell you something. There's nothing I have done. I have performed so many wedding ceremonies, not just in this church, in the other building, in many other churches. I have stood in the front of a sanctuary. And I have watched men stand to my left side. And when that woman opens that door in the back and she steps through with her daddy, I watched the biggest of men swell up with tears. Because they look back and they see the beauty of their bride. You better hope the Lord sees you that way. You better hope the Lord sees you that way. You better hope the Lord sees you as pure. You better hope the Lord sees you as holy. You better hope the Lord sees you as consecrated, giving yourself unto him. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Modesty and discretion matters. Let me tell you something. If a woman gets out in less than what she wears to bed, you need to repent and you need to ask God to forgive you for it. If a man goes running around without a shirt on, you need to repent and you need to ask God to forgive you for that. Because you need to do what pleases God. And this church teaches modesty and holiness. We do not need to be exposing ourselves. We do not need to be showing everybody else what we got. Because the Lord is coming back for a bride that has made herself ready to meet the king. And when that man stands up here and he looks to the back of the church, I guarantee you, every man that loves his bride, when he stands up here and he looks to the back of that church and he sees his bride walk through that door, he says, that's my bride. That's the love of my life. That's the woman that God gave me. Let me tell you something. We've been bought and purchased with a price. We don't belong to ourselves no more. This body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And when you, when you uh, mark it up and you destroy it and you expose it, you are dishonoring your God. You are dishonoring your God. We need to live a life that is pleasing unto God. Those brides legally, legally, take on the name of their bridegrooms before they ever even get married because of the purification process. Come on, church. We've been washed. We've been sanctified. We've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. We've been buried with Him. We've been justified. We've had the name of Jesus invoked over our lives today. And we need to bring the Lord honor by living a life that is holy and acceptable unto God. We need to be a church that has made herself ready for the coming of the king. Listen, why do believers take such care and go to such extremes that they separate themselves from worldliness and they separate themselves from sin. Why? Why do we teach these things? We strive to be holy because we have discovered that he's coming back for a bride that's made herself ready. He's coming back for a bride that has consecrated, purified herself, given herself to him wholly and completely. He's coming back after a church that's made itself ready. 
a church that's got on the wedding garments. Not the garments that you want to wear, the wedding garments. Huh? Let me tell you something. I, I used to tell my girls when they were little, when they'd go dress shopping, and they said, Dad, do you think this is all right? I say, Can you shout in it? If you can't shout in it, it ain't all right. If it exposes you when you get happy and you dance and you shout and you jump up and down, it ain't all right. Let me tell you something. What matters is pleasing God. What matters is pleasing God. And we have discovered that the Lord is coming back for a church that has made itself ready. Having on the wedding garments without spot and without wrinkle. Without spot and without wrinkle. Church, we have a comforting hope today. We had the great catching away, the rapture of the church is such a comforting hope today. Come on, the Bible teaches us. We read it at the beginning of this sermon. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. The voice of an archangel with the trump of God. Soon the church is going to be summoned by God. And not even the grave is going to be able to hinder the call of God. Let me tell you something. For the dead in Christ shall rise first. The grave's going to open. The grave's going to open. You're going to have a new body you, if, you're, if you're gone. If you're still here, those that are alive and remain, let me tell you something, they're going to be transformed into a new body. And they're going to rise up to meet those that were in the graves to meet the Lord in the air. I have people ask me, they say, well, what happens when we die? Do we go straight to heaven? But that's not what the Bible teaches. I've heard people teach that. Let me tell you something. But the Bible uses terminology, things, terms such as what Jesus said to the thief on the cross. He said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. It was a waiting place for the dead in Christ. And then we, we learn and we read about Abraham and Lazarus, or, or uh, Lazarus and the rich man, I'm sorry. And uh, we read how that the rich man saw him across the great gulf that was affixed. And he saw him in Abraham's bosom. And he said, Lord, just send him to dip his finger in water and cool the tip of my tongue. The Bible uses terms like Abraham's bosom in, 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 under the old covenant. And then we read in the New Testament the Apostle Paul says things like, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I have heard people use that scripture to say, as soon as we die, we're going to heaven. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Now, I do believe something happened at grace. I believe something happened when Jesus came and he died for our sins. And I do believe that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And somehow, some way, it might not be a full or a completed heaven, but we are in Jesus when we die if we are blood bought and spirit filled. But there's still coming a day. We're awaiting the resurrection. We're awaiting the Lord to put his foot on land and on sea and declare time to be no more. And he's going to do a great catching away out of this place. And those that were gone on before us, the grave's going to open. It's going to allow them to come up in a new body. And those that are alive and remain, we're going to be caught up to meet them in the air with the Lord. And that, my friends, is what the Bible teaches. And after that great resurrection... We will go up to be with the Lord. 
And if you're pre-trib, then you believe that while we're with the Lord, there's going to come a time of great tribulation in this earth. The, 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 the man of sin is going to be revealed, and there's going to be great tribulation in this earth. Seven years, and then the Lord's going to come back with his church, and he's going to establish his kingdom in this earth, and the great millennium's going to take place. A thousand years, the Lord's going to reign on this place. But let me tell you something. Those that love God, those that give themselves to God, should always be anticipating his return. We should live our lives today like there's not going to be a tomorrow. We should live our lives today like there's not going to be a tomorrow. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord, but that does not mean that you have already experienced that last resurrection. There's coming a great resurrection. The Lord's going to catch his people away. The dead in Christ are going to rise first, and those that are alive and remain, they're going to be caught up to meet him in the air. I'm talking to you today about the rapture, the catching away, the imminent return of our creator. He's coming back for a church that has made himself ready. Many people have a restlessness in their souls. Many people have a a restlessness. They're not willing to lay things aside. This is an hour where sinners cannot sleep. I watch during the pandemic, I watch people get on our Facebook and they post things and they say, as soon as this coronavirus is out of here, I'm coming to that church. Guess what? Coronavirus is out of here, and they still ain't in this church. And guess what? They still can't sleep at night because the Lord has convicted them in their hearts. And let me tell you something. you got to live right with God if you want to have rest in your soul. you got to live right with God if you want to have rest in your soul. People are restless. People are lonely. People feel the emptiness they feel they have wasted and they've wasted their lives. They're living in wasted and broken dreams. There's no loneliness like the loneliness of a lost soul. You can have all the money in the world and be lost and you're going to be lonely. There's no loneliness like the loneliness of a lost soul. Let me tell you something. Religion will not satisfy a lost soul. Drugs will not satisfy a lost soul. Alcoholic beverages will not satisfy a lost soul. Promiscuous behavior will not satisfy a lost soul because when the conscience is awakened, when conviction has rested upon you, when the Lord has spoken into your life, let me tell you something, until you live for God, you'll never sleep again. Until you give yourself to him, you'll never find rest. You'll never find peace again. The Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel and the trump of God. Soon the church is going to be ushered out of this place because Jesus Christ is coming back. Jesus Christ is coming back. And everywhere there are signs that his judgment is pending. 
Let me tell you something. The church is the only thing that's holding back the judgment of God. I was thinking we were listening to a preacher preach on the way home yesterday, and I was thinking about how that the Bible talks about it'll be as it were in the days of Noah. And the Bible talks about how the Lord spoke to Noah, and he told him he was about to bring judgment upon the earth. And he was about to flood it with water, and he was about to destroy everything. But he gave him a way of escape. He told Noah, he said, you build an ark. You take your family in there to the saving of your house. People laughed them to scorn. People mocked them. People ridiculed them. Let me tell you something. The Lord will give you a day of escape. You don't have to experience all these things. All you got to do is give yourself to God right now. Give yourself to God right now. Same way. Same way with Lot. Come on, when Sodom and Gomorrah, the Lord spoke to him. He said, if you can find me a righteous man in this city, I won't destroy it. And the Lord started with a higher number, and he just kept coming down and coming down, and he couldn't even find what the Lord told him. But the Lord told him, he said, you get your family and you get out of this place. The Lord gave him a door of escape. You have a door of escape today. You have a blessed hope of a catching away to meet the Lord in the air today. You don't have to experience the judgment that is coming to this earth today. You have a blessed hope. You have a blessed hope today. But you better be willing to do whatever he tells you to do when he tells you to do it. Because he's coming back for a bride that has made herself ready. Church judgment is pending. We should be watchful. Come on, we should be watchful. As a man who guards his home against a thief, we should be watchful. We should be watching ourselves today, making sure that the thief's not coming in and stealing away the things of God. He's going to cost you to miss heaven. He's going to cause you to miss heaven. We should be watching as a man who guards himself guards his home against the thief. Therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Come on, in an hour that you think not. Don't think you're going to wait until the Lord puts his foot on land and foot on sea and say, oh Lord, forgive me. No, sir. No, ma'am. You've had your chance to make yourself right with God. You've had your chance to get in the ark of safety. You've had your chance to get out of Sodom and out of Gomorrah. You've had your chance to live godly and live soberly and live modestly and live discreetly. You've had your chance. Church, we need to be ready. We need to be ready for the soon coming of the king. Or two will be in a field, the one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, the one will be taken. The other will be left. Christ is coming for his church. Christ is coming for his church. It's going to be a sudden event in an hour that you think not. In an hour that you think not, the Lord is coming for his bride. The Lord said it would happen as in the days of Noah. Life went on as usual. People worked. People played, people bought, people sold, people loved, people hated, people drank and were merry. 
But let me tell you something. When that flood came, they were, list, they were wishing they would have listened to the preacher of righteousness. And let me tell you something, people. Let me tell you something today, church. You listen to the wrong person. There's going to come a day you're going to wish you would have listened to a preacher of righteousness. There came a time they wished they would have listened to the preaching of Noah. There came a time they wished they would have listened to the man of God. And there's going to come a time this world's going to wish they would have listened to the man of God. Listen, Rebecca was a type of the church. She was a type of the church about to be called away by the Lord. Rebecca was, the Bible says, Rebecca was very fair to look upon. She was a beautiful woman and she was a virgin. The Bible says she was fair to look upon. How many know that the church of the living God needs to be pure? The church of the living God needs to be holy. The church of the living God needs to be consecrated. Rebecca was a a, a beautiful woman to look upon and she was a virgin. This tells us how Christ regards his church. Rebecca befriended Eleazar, who was Abraham's servant. And listen, she, she welcomed him into her home. And she received costly gifts from him. He gave her gifts. He gave her gifts so that she would come out and meet the bridegroom. Rebecca was a type and shadow of the church. The only question was, would she leave behind everything to go out and meet the bridegroom? I ask you today, are you willing to leave everything behind to go meet the bridegroom? Are you willing to lay everything down that God tells you to go meet the bridegroom? Her friends, her family, Encouraged her to stay. Don't do that. Don't go with him. Don't go, don't go meet that bridegroom. Let me tell you something. People will encourage you. People will steer you in the wrong direction. And people will cause you not to meet the bridegroom. Rebecca was a type of the church. Despite the efforts of all of her friends or family, Rebecca said, I'll go. I'll leave it all behind. I'll lay it all down to have Isaac in my life. I'll leave it all behind to have the bridegroom in my life. Come on. We must consent. We must prepare ourselves to go meet him. We must prepare ourselves for the bridegroom. Come on. The Bible says Isaac lifted up his eyes, and he saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And the Bible also says that Rebecca lifted up her eyes and she saw Isaac. Can I tell you today, there's a loving anticipation on the part of the bridegroom as well as the bride for that great meeting in the air. If you're a part of the church of the living God, you're anticipating meeting the Lord in the air. You're anticipating getting out of this God-awful place. It's not going to get no better. It's not going to get no better. I know some of us are hoping, I hope things get back to normal. There is going to be no more normal. This thing is going to escalate. This immorality is going to get worse. Let me tell you something. Our only hope, our only blessed hope is to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. 
Our hope is seeing the one who washed us from our sins, who gave himself for us, our Lord and our Savior, our King, our Redeemer. We're going up to meet him in the air. Let me tell you something, Christ, empty tomb brought a mighty victory over death for every single believer. His empty tomb brought victory into your life. His death, his burial, and his resurrection, and this is exactly why we preach it today, because it's victory over sin. The one, the one in whom the fullness of the Godhead dwelt. It was unwelcomed by his own people. The one who came to redeem the world of their sins was hated by his own people. Let me tell you something. You're going to find members of your own family that's going to come against you for living for God. You're going to find friends that's going to desert you for living for God. You better let them friends go. You better let them family members keep on hating. You better live for God. You better live for God. The one in whom the fullness of the Godhead dwelt was hated before we were ever hated. He was despised, rejected of men, a man of sorrows, the Bible says. He was acquainted with grief. Yet he gave his life that we, you and I, might have life. He gave his life for his creation. And let me tell you something. It might have been over 2,000 years ago, but one day with the Lord is as 1,000 years. And let me tell you something. Literally, it ain't been that long in the eyes of God. He's coming back for a church without spot and without wrinkle. He gave his life that we might have life. Jesus Christ was both man and God, human and deity. Humanity and deity. Let me tell you something. God dwells in all born-again believers who live triumphantly and victoriously by the power of the Holy Ghost. Don't, friend, don't let nobody lie to you and tell you you don't need the Holy Ghost today. Friend, don't, t- don't let nobody lie to you and tell you that speaking in tongues ain't for everybody today. Come on, don't let nobody lie to you and mislead you because they just might cause you to miss the bridegroom. We need to live victoriously today. We need to live triumphantly today, and that's only going to happen by the Holy Ghost. And those are the ones that's going to be raised up to meet Christ in the air. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is going to raise us, catapult us straight up out of this place. There's coming a day. There's going to be a grand revealing. There's going to be a grand revealing. We're going to be raised up to meet him in the air. But if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, come on. He raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. You you must be born again of the water and of the spirit. You must be born again of the water and of the spirit. Church, there's going to be a transformation of the saints that remain we're going to be changed. The Bible says we shall all be changed. Come on. Right now we dwell in human bodies. These human bodies, they suffer fatigue. They suffer anguish. They suffer pain. They suffer problems. Come on. They, they suffer disease. 
They suffer fleshly desires and, and were tempted by sin. But what a change of garments that's going to be on that day when this mortal puts on immortality. Come on. When this mortal puts on immortality and the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead ushers us up out of this place. My Lord, he's coming back for a church. What a change of garments that's going to be. No more sickness. No more pain. No more suffering. No more heart attacks. No more, no more high blood pressure. None of these things. We're going to have a new body. We're going to have a new body. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is everything that is pure in your life. He's everything that is good in your life. And everything that is good in your life comes from him. Everything that is good in your life comes from him. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him. The Bible says, if you're not like him, he said, be ye holy for I am holy. And when he's saying holy, he's not saying perfect. You ain't never going to make a mistake. He's going to say, you better give him all you got. You better give him all you got. When he shall appear, we shall be like him, the Bible says. Let me tell you something. There's going to be a translation of the saints. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, those believers who are alive in the earth, they're going to be translated. Corruptible bodies are going to become incorruptible. Broken bodies are going to become unbroken. Mortal bodies are going to become immortal. My Lord, the, the unknown will become the known. The unknown will become the known. We've been saved by Christ. Those who've been saved by Christ will be made like Christ and will forever be with Christ. Come on, it takes the truth to make you free tonight. We're going to be caught up ever to be with the Lord, the Bible says. We're going to be caught up ever to be with the Lord. Let me tell you something. If you want to spend eternity with him, you better believe he's coming back for his church. You better believe he's coming back for his church. And this, stand with me as I'm coming to a close tonight, as the musicians come quickly. This is an urgent hour. There's an urgency to the times we're living in. Sin is increasing. Immorality is rampant. End time prophecies are being fulfilled on a daily basis. Fields are ready to be harvested. There's a darkened horizon that's telling of the impending storm that's coming. Friends, family, I'm telling you, what you've seen thus far doesn't hold a candle to what you're going to see. The sin, the immorality, the disregard for human life, it doesn't hold a candle to what you're going to see. The church is the only thing that's holding back the judgment of God. The darkened horizon tells of the storm that's about to come. The urgency of this time demands the best of God's people. It ain't time to play church. It ain't time to be half-hearted. 
It ain't time to do what you want regardless of what God tells you. There's an urgency to this time. There's a darkness in this day. The urgency of this hour demands the best of God's people. When your neighbor's house suddenly catches on fire, the person forgets about any arguments that they previously had because there's an urgency to the hour. You forget about how their kids trampled in your flower garden. It really doesn't matter anymore. All that matters is you got to save them out of that burning house. Friends, let me tell you something today. There's coming some burning houses in this land. We better sense the urgency of this hour. We need to make ourselves ready to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Because I'm telling you, the signs of the times are upon us today. There's an urgency in this hour. Time is critical. People are going to perish if the church don't preach that the Lord is coming soon. Friends, don't hold back when you're talking to somebody who can't sleep at night. You need to tell them your restlessness is because the Lord is telling you He's coming soon. You need to make yourself ready to meet the Lord. There's an urgency in this time. There's an urgency in this day. Time is critical. People are going to perish if the Lord does not tell people that the Lord is coming soon. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do today? Our generation as a whole is dying without the knowledge of God. He said, my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. People are dying, lost, and going to hell because we aren't telling them that the Lord is coming soon. The Lord is coming soon. The faithful, the wise, those who are about the kingdom of God, they're going to work diligently in anticipation of the coming of the King. The Lord is coming soon. In closing today, don't you ever let nobody tell you that the Lord's not coming back. Don't you ever let nobody tell you that the Lord has already came back. Paul addressed that in the book of 2 Thessalonians. The, Thess- the, the, the church thought that the Lord had already returned, and Paul told him, he said, no, the Lord hasn't returned yet because the man of sin has not exposed himself yet. Don't you ever let nobody tell you that the Lord is not coming back. For if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead, he's also going to quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. The Lord is coming back for a church that has made herself ready. Oh, let's lift our hands all over this place today. If you're anticipating the coming of the King, I don't care if you're 70 years old. I don't care if you're 10 years old. I believe the Lord wants every age, all ages, to anticipate His soon coming. The Lord is coming back for His bride. Will we make ourselves ready today? These altars are open as we sing this song unto the Lord. Let's stretch our hands towards heaven tonight.